Welcome to the Start, Scale, Succeed podcast with me, your host, Nicole Higgins, the Buy and Retail Coach, sharing tips, advice, and insight from entrepreneurs that have just launched to multi-million pound business owners. We will be discussing the challenges they faced, advice they would give, and the milestones they achieved and how they got there. Also joining me will be a broad range of experts with some tips and practical how-tos, episodes that will help your business grow and to enable you to live the life you crave. The types of experts that you'll hear from will be those that you will find beneficial as you start and scale your business, from branding and social media experts to mindset coaches and PR marketing. There will also be solo episodes from me discussing a variety of topics from sourcing to maximizing the profit in your business. Welcome to this week's episode of Start, Scale, Succeed. Today, I'm joined with Julie Pilo, founder of Irish Contemporary Bag and Accessory Line Pilo, who has worked with a variety of designers from Marnie to John Galliano, creating and overseeing their accessories and handbag divisions. And in 2020, during the pandemic of all times, established her own brand, Pilo. Thank you very much, Julie, for joining me. Hi, thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Now, you have a very extensive experience in designing handbags accessories can you talk me a little through that bit through that yeah it's kind of long-winded when I've done this before so I'll try and keep it brief I graduated from um, NCAD in Dublin in textile design um, in a long time ago 2021 2001 sorry I wish 2021 2001 um, and when I graduated at the time the internet wasn't a big thing. There wasn't, there was no kind of like jobs or route to jobs. I didn't know what I was supposed to do with myself. I literally took out the golden pages at home and looked up John Russia, who was in Dublin and called the studio manager and just said, hi, I'm Julie, explained who I was and said, I'm happy to work for free. Can I just come in and meet you? She went in the next day and got a job in there um, as an intern which then turned into a paid job after about six months, I'd say. Um, And that was amazing um, because it was a really small studio and I got to work on everything. Um, And I was, John actually built me a frame and I was weaving pieces that were used. Um, I got to like partake in three of his London fashion shows. My pieces were on um, all the clothes. You know, I kind of got, it was my first experience working in a proper fashion house, I guess, and seeing the whole process through to production um, and I was actually producing the pieces that were then sold um, and like I said I was there for about 18 months absolutely loved it but just had a total urge to go to Italy even though I didn't speak Italian and I didn't have a job but I rented a sofa off through a friend of a friend for a month and went off I went and everyone thought I was crazy because they're like you don't speak Italian and you're after leaving like one of the few jobs in Ireland in John Russia, you know, yeah. all the, all the John Russia team were like, are you sure? It's like, yeah, I just, I have to go. Um, and I just walked the streets, which is what you had to do back then, literally dropping your CV into Gucci, dropping your CV into Prada. Yeah. Um, and I got a job. My first job was actually in a trend forecasting studio in Lake Como, which was brilliant because they were very patient, patient with me. They spoke, they spoke English. They helped me learn Italian. I started doing Italian classes at night. Um, I was doing like little woven pieces, I guess. They they made these big trend forecasting books, you know, that were sold yeah. to the likes of BMW and I don't know. Big fashion houses. And- big fashion houses and stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was there for, I think, probably about six Claire. months. 
Was it, the mm-hmm. was it Picler's? No? No, it wasn't Picler's. You know what? I actually can't even remember the name. I could walk <laughs> there. I was just curious because when I was at Debenhams, we used to use Yeah, no, but it's, it's, it was great. It was a great, like, way to be able to stay there, you know, and obviously Lake Como was beautiful. And I remember my yeah. parents coming to visit and they were like, this isn't like the real life. Like, this is like ridiculous. It's so picture perfect. You know, your commute to work was yeah, like, like walking up the hill, like just up to like the studio. But um, I then got an introduction to Consuelo, who is the owner and founder of Marnie um, and her right-hand woman is an amazing um, Colombian lady called Lutz Maria who had come from who's ex-Prada and obviously Marnie at the time is all about um, you know like textures and it's very kind of organic in, in its look and feel. Yeah. Um, Lutz looked after everything from like the handbags to jewellery to she was the person who really tied it all together I guess she was like the creative director Again, a bit like John Rush and Marnie was very small at the time. So it was only Lutz, Consuelo, a menswear designer, a ladieswear designer, a footwear designer. And that was it. Um, I got in and they loved all the little woven pieces I'd done for John Rush. Um, so again, they built, I got in there. They built me a frame. Um, I was making all these little pieces that went on to necklaces, you know, and then in turn got sewn onto bags and the bag factory was across the road which was amazing it was like going to handbag school because I was working with all the artisans um, and all the pattern cutters and learning all about the machinery and going getting to go to Linea Pele to buy the leathers with lutes. So such a great foundation for for starting your own brand but you didn't start you started in 2020 so did yeah. you come back to it do you come back to Ireland then soon enough or no I went from actually from Marnie to Paris to John Galliano to set up his accessory studio for a couple of years and then I went to uh from there to New York and set up Diane von Furstenberg's accessory department as well because she didn't have any accessories and handbags so the reason I wanted to go to America was to really learn the commercial side of the business obviously America is so different to Europe in Marnie and Galliano it's all about you know being fantastic and fashion and very fashion led um and you very much set the trends um whereas in New York they all the the American houses look to Europe as to what they're doing um and are kind of led by them and also in America I got to work with uh Korea and China so it was really mass um like it was still very commercial, but like much more mass production, you know, than anything I had done in Europe, which would have been much smaller. Um, and then from DVF, I went to Juicy Couture for a couple of years. That was going through a reinvention. And then I came back to Ireland quite suddenly for for, for family reasons. Um, and I planned to go back to New York. Um, but that didn't happen because I got approached by Dunn Stores to go in and help with their design department. And at the time, they'd hired a lot of people a lot of designers, I should say, sorry. And I'd had loads of experience at this point of managing big teams. By the time I left Juicy Couture, I was managing like 16 or 18 designers, you know, across all the departments in accessories, I should say, from jewellery to handbags to shoes to print. Um, so Do you, do you I, miss that? Do you miss that? Managing people. Diff- well, I suppose working, it could be quite hard I find it difficult sometimes. I'm used to working with people. Yeah, and yeah it is very and, different. And yeah. Around. But then having said that, I kind of like accidentally became this, you know, big design director that wasn't, you know, I'm a designer too at the end of the day. And then when you kind of get into managing a lot of people, it's it's different to what you're, you're not necessarily designing, you're more overseeing it all, you know. And yeah, I did enjoy that because um, I'm not a micromanager. I'm very much, you know, big thinker, big ideas, kind of look across and let everyone do, you know, bring out the best in each of your team, I guess, and try and pull it together. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's obviously very different working for yourself than working in a big team. Um, so I joined Dunn Stores in, I think it was 2013, maybe the end of 2013. Um, at this point, I'd been away for 11 years. I had planned to be away for a year. Um, so I came home again, like I said, hadn't planned to stay. And I initially when Carolyn Donnelly at Dunn's asked me to join, I was like, listen, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going back to New York. I hadn't really any intention to stay. And she was like, well, why don't you have a think about it? And after a couple of months at home, I was like, you know what, maybe I will. So I went in and still left all my stuff in New York. It was very undecided. Um, And because I wasn't sure if I'd settle back here, to be honest, you know, I haven't been gone for so long. And I, after six months, I stayed. And about six months after that, I met my husband. And then that's it. And then I had, we had three children. And after my third daughter, or third child, I should say, not my third daughter, um, I resigned and decided I wanted to set up my own brand. Um, yeah, so like something, setting up my own brand was always in the back of the mind, my mind and always something I wanted to do. And did you think, so obviously you'd work, you've worked with a lot of designers and a lot of people can say, is it something that you thought that was an idea or is it something that you're like, yeah, no, I'm actually definitely going to do this? I I knew I like 100% had the experience, you know, I've done yeah, that for years and I seen every price point and I you know I've kind of worked with every factory from Italy you know when I was in Paris I was working with the factories who were making all the Dior bags you know mm-hmm. in, in, in New York I was working with the factories who were making like Michael Kors, Mark and Mark Jacobs, like Alexander Wang, everyone coach yeah and you go to done stores and obviously that's a completely different price point again and um, they were like you know kind of 10 to 30 euro bags but again nothing wrong with the factories or anything like that just a totally different um product you know and yeah. um, so yeah I always wanted to set up my own and I think after my third child I was just like okay this is it I just need to go for it um, I wasn't finding Dunn's very enjoyable anymore you know I wasn't very challenged um, and I wanted to try it you know and I was like if I don't try it now, when am I going to do it you know I need I to as well if you're you know you're a creative person obviously you were you became more in a managerial role yeah rather than probably still being Within, in in the nitty gritty of, of creating yeah, yeah. and what made you you know why did you start or how did you come to the idea of obviously it's it's handbags it's your experience but in terms of the price point what kind of research did you do or did you always have in your mind this is what I wanted to be yeah so I knew I yeah so again yeah it was hard to try to decide and I was obviously trying to brainstorm with my with my husband who isn't a remotely fashion person um he's just like trying to give you advice but you know I was like I know I don't want to go after the luxury market like as in be a competitor with um like Yves Saint Laurent or Chanel or Gucci or any of those because they're obviously really established brands with huge marketing budgets that have been going for years and years and years and like you know you just I'm not a, I'm not a millionaire you know that like has this massive budget behind me yeah um and I really wanted the bags to be accessible and obviously then I just decided I wanted to be in the contemporary market. So to me, that's like the price points of kind of what DVF and Juicy Couture were. So kind of from 150 to 450 um, is kind of my my price point. Um, so it's obviously still, you know, a luxury product for, for, for people, but it's not, you know, luxury as in 2000 euro for a bag. Um, yeah. And, but it's still accessible and it's still, you know, still it's still a doable price point like people spend 150 euro on a pair of Nike trainers yeah people spend 150 on a night out I didn't with nothing to show for it except perhaps a hangover yeah exactly yeah and I knew I really wanted them to be 
um, worn. That's my big thing. I really want them to be worn by people. I really want them to be everyday bags. I didn't want them to be just, you know, shoved in the dust bag and like taken out once a year for a wedding or, or something. Yeah. Um, or, you know, or to be too precious about them. I want them to be like good quality bags. Um, that like are, you said, that people can wear every day without being worried about wearing exactly. them. Yeah. And I wanted them to be European made was a big thing for me um, because I wanted to have smaller quantities. I wanted to work with Italian tanneries. Um, so then my next thing was trying to find, who, okay, well then, now that I know all that, who am I going to work with? Like, who, who am I going to manufacture with? And I obviously have a lot of context, but they would be more luxury as an Italian. So then I decided Portugal, which I know some, some brands and Duns had worked with, but I personally hadn't. Um, so then I went about researching factories in Portugal. So I knew the price point would be better for what I want to produce. Um, and I did my research. I actually contacted the Portuguese embassy. Great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, I, think asked, that's such a good, I think that's such a really good thing because not many people think to, to use yeah. the Chamber of Commerce of the country or it was a really, they were obviously really helpful. They want to get business for their country. I explained what I was, you know, who I was and what I was trying to do. And did they have leather manufacturers that they could send me? Um, so I got an Excel sheet with, you know, I can't remember now, there could have been like 200 people, you know, businesses listed on it. And um, so you just had to sit down and really comb through it and look through which ones had websites and mm. narrow it down. So I narrowed it down to four factories and went over to visit them. And um, I cut it down to two who I really liked. Um, but then one, their numbers were just too high for me. Um, like what they, what, what I would have had to produce with them was like a hundred per style per color. Yeah, it wasn't possible for me. So the other factory would work with smaller quantities. Um, they're both kind of, you know, your typical kind of European business, small family run factories. Um, the other one was a bigger setup now. It was probably a more fancy, you know, big building that had been redone. And obviously that's what you're paying for. And that's why yeah. you're paying for quantities. that. That's why they need that quantity. Yeah, they need that's those quantities and they have more staff and it was all very you know beautiful building but the other one the one that I went with are absolutely gorgeous it's the mom and dad started the business in I'd say the 70s no it must be sooner than that um because the daughters are in their 40s now who are taking over yeah and um, like dad will never leave you know he's still on the floor cutting bags and yeah, yeah. You know, stitching and whatever um but they've been fantastic touch wood it's been a really nice partnership and thankfully I did all this before COVID so this was, what did I think? This was the end of 2019. I went over. So then when we decided to go ahead, I put my designs into work. I got my first samples before that Christmas. And then I put the production order in, in probably like, I don't know, it must have been January, February. I, I had September 2020 in my head as my launch date. Yeah. Um, and then obviously COVID hit in March. And uh, Portugal was different to here as in our lockdowns. You know, we had different... Um, like we were say locked down until April, then they were not locked down. So they were able to produce the bags basically. Yeah. And got them to me by I think probably like the May or June, my first order. And then I had to do my photo shoot outside with um Courtney Smith, actually, who's I'm sure you know, who's a yeah. lovely stylist. Um she lives close to me, so she's within my 5K. Between all the weird lockdowns and stuff, we did our photo shoot out in our back garden. Um, and it just had to be the model, myself, the photographer, herself, like nobody else, no hair and makeup. Um, 
So we managed to get that done. I managed to get the website built by a local guy again in, you know, in and out of like when we could meet or Zooms or whatever. And then launched um, September 20. Did you any kind of do any building or promotion of the brand before you launched? Or was it? Um, No, I'd set up the Instagram account like that year and just, you know, started posting pictures of like things that I like, which are like flowers and architecture. Mm -hmm. Major. And then. I just started, I did an online Instagram course just because I didn't really have a clue what Instagram really. Um, I did an online Instagram course um, to kind of help get it started. And I I did actually, sorry, I did hire a PR agency for the first, I think it was two months maybe or three months to try and help get the the brand out there. Um, As in trying, you know, get some uh, press and gifting to influencers was a big part for me. And did, which do you think worked best for you, the gifting to influencers or the kind of standard PR that, that came from it? Or were you able to see a return? Because sometimes it's a hard to see a return. From Very hard to see a return. Yeah. And it was all new to me, you know, this whole side of things. And it's it's hard because these things cost you a lot of money, obviously. You know, paying a PR agency isn't cheap. And no. gifting is obviously cheap, you know, but then it's, it comes at its own risk because you're gifting and some of the influencers might just open the box and take a quick picture, you know, might get nothing from it. You know, other people will talk about it better, but you've no control because you're not paying them. You know, yeah. you, you can't say, can't. Chance they yeah. will talk about it, you know, and some people were better than others. Um, and it, but at the time, obviously in lockdown, it was, there was a huge push to buy local and buy Irish. Yeah. So, you know, it like obviously wasn't my plan to launch in a pandemic, but it kind of went well for me because I was, I was, always planning to set up as an online brand to start with. Um, and at the time, other businesses were probably backpedaling and trying to get better at online, whereas that was kind of my go- my idea from the get-go was to be yeah. just online. And I was trying to keep my price point. Sorry, I never talked about that. Yeah, I wanted to keep my price point better so that I could be just online as opposed to going into wholesale. Um, but then as it turns, right, turns out, now I have kind of gone down the wholesale route um, because the business has changed um, and you know people want to see the product um not everyone you know but there's you know I would get a lot of inquiries like where can I see it or whatever so that's why I partnered with Avoca um because they've five I'm now in their top five stores um their merchandising is beautiful um you know you don't have to worry that your product isn't going to look right and I feel like I'm sitting with the right other brands you know um I think that's so important isn't it as well in terms of choosing who you want to be stuff yeah. and rather than a spraying and praying that you're more strategic in terms of who are going to be your yeah yeah exactly so I did go with another Irish retailer initially in uh, that approached me very early on <clears throat> in the December the of that 2020 I think it was and I was a bit unsure and it, anyway I didn't continue that because the merchandising wasn't great I don't think it was the right brand they had a lot of cheaper product Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of a learning for me they were very nice to deal with there was nothing to do with you know them not being nice or paying me or any and there was no issues with anything like that I just don't think it was the right fit for me and the right fit for my brand and initially like you said wholesale wasn't particularly on your agenda as much yeah. how and that's changed now how do you have an idea in terms of right I want x percent to be d to c and x percent to be wholesale or are you kind of seeing how it goes I'm kind of seeing how it goes, to be honest. I just haven't had time to properly kind of do a deep dive into that, you know, really kind of figure out like what percentage exactly do I want it to be. Knowing now what you what you know about wholesale, what advice would you give to people that want to get, for other people that are, no matter what kind of product that they do, that want to get into retail and have wholesale as part of an income stream? 
I would say get your pricing right because um, I'm kind of backpedaling now because I didn't price myself as, as you know, for, for wholesale. Um, yeah, if that's something you want to do, you really have to make make sure that you're making enough money and not just the shop is making enough money on it. Um, the other thing is to make sure it's the right fit for you. And, you know, I get approached by a lot of, not a lot, but like there's other shops and boutiques that ask, can they stop me? And, you know, you just kind of have to be like, thanks, but no thanks in a nice, in a firm way, <laughs> because yeah. it can't be everywhere. It can't be, it has to be right for your product. And yeah, I think just be careful who you partner with. Um, also make sure you get paid. Um, a lot of people want to do, not a lot of people, some people want to do sale or return. And that's fine if you think it's the right mm-hmm. for you and you're really keen to get into the shop. Um, that's quite an old, sale or return is quite an dated method yeah, yeah. isn't it as well um yeah. i just think if somebody wants it they should buy it do you know um, and yeah, they believe in your brand believe in your brand they should buy it yeah and yeah. don't undersell yourself um just um i don't know what other advice would i give really i think the main thing is yeah just making sure it's the right fit for you making sure that the merchandising is right you know that you're sitting alongside the other brands that are right for your brand whatever it is whatever your product is like in the other retailer that i was with um i don't know if i should say their name or not but they had um a lot of guest bags so like it just wasn't the right fit for me and when I went on board they said they were going to discontinue that and they were going to increase the Irish you know offering and I was like okay great but then they didn't you know as their business kind of changed probably with COVID as well the guests their bread and butter and kept saying they're not going to walk away from that I I understood that you know but for me it was kind of like okay this isn't what I signed up for because you know a guest bag has been made in China it's like 80 to 120 euro my wallets were starting at 160 it just didn't make sense you know so then mine looked really overpriced and the customer doesn't understand like why you know why is this bag 295 and this bag's like you know, 95 or whatever it just doesn't it wasn't the right it just wasn't going to do my brand any favors in the long term and who are your who's on your wish list for retailers oh god I love John Lewis mm-hmm. love John Lewis. um I don't know. I'm kind of in Ireland. I'm really happy with the Voca. I mean, obviously, Brian Thomas would be amazing. I wouldn't, you know, or Arnott's. Um, I have another beautiful boutique down in, in Waterford called Muse, who I'm really, who are really, really have a beautiful range of products. And it seems like a really good fit with me. Um, out of Ireland and England, I'd say, yeah, John Lewis um, for now. And then I'm not, I'm not sure in America, maybe Nordstrom. Yeah. What do you want your brand to, to be known for? I would say quality, affordable, fun accessories. And is that what, in terms of when you were first imagining the brand and starting it out, are they very much right, that's, this is it? It was very much, not, not, not necessarily the fun part, but it's, as it turns out, like I'm actually very into colour. So when I was starting, I was like, okay, I've designed for everyone. If you're a good designer, you know, obviously how to design for every brand, you know, and you can, you know who that client is and who that customer is. So when I was designing my own, I was like, who's my customer? Like, who do I want to attract, you know, or appeal yeah. to? Um, so that was kind of hard because <laughs> obviously say like, geez, Couture, you know who that woman is. You can imagine who she is. DVF, I know who that woman is. You know, yeah. it's a really definite look. Because it's established as well. <laughs> exactly. So then you're like, hey, this is my brand now. What am I going to be? So when I started, I did a kind of black and brown range. So it was probably more safe um, because black and brown is what would always generally sell, you know, in footwear and accessories. Um, but then as it's turned out, I did a lot of colour in 2021 um, and that got a really good response. And so the brand has kind of turned more colourful. And I think as well, from an editorial point of view, it will always photograph better. So yeah. even if 
you know, even if you continue with the black and brown, you'd still want yeah. colour in there because the photograph's better. Never walk away from the black and brown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, it's, um, but yeah, I was really surprised, I guess, how strong a reaction it had. Um, and I'm happy with that. So, yeah, it's kind of always evolving, I guess, season by season. Um, and again, I'm even when I say season by season, I'm trying to step away a bit from the seasons and be a bit more, you know, seasonless. Like it's not like you buy the bag now and it's like that's passe or, you know, it's like yeah. I'm just kind of continuing and I just layer in new colours or layer in. Um, Where do you find inspiration? God, everywhere. I have too many ideas. Like I can't, I can't. Uh, I could just keep going and going and going. I have to stop myself. Um, like my husband is up in the office with me working and he's just like, will you stop? Because I'm like, oh, what about this? And what about that? <laughs> he's like, oh my God, like, just stop. Just sell what you have. <laughs> I could just keep going. Um, so I'm now kind of really trying to work on becoming more known for my totes, which have really worked well for me. So I have a large style and a smaller style. Um, they're very lightweight, um, which I did on purpose because obviously if you have a big bag, you don't want it to be weighed, weighed yeah. down. You know, once you once you fill it up with your laptop or your your bits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a little cloud clutch again. I've kind of probably got six or seven styles. Um, and I'm just trying to build on them and become more known for them as opposed to constantly introducing new styles, which I think is also key to try to build a brand. Yeah. I, it, like you say it's kind of what you're known for but you've got so much experience in other areas like accessories and, and all that yeah. will do you think that will come later on or yeah I would say so yeah I've done I've done yeah like when I was in Marnie I was doing all the jewellery when that's when the jewellery all took off um sorry all costume jewellery I should say took off like at the time it wasn't a thing and I did the jewellery in Galliano and I did the jewellery in DVF and like belts and hats and I don't know everything really gloves yeah. you know scarves soft soft accessories um yeah for now though my passion is really like being a textile designer I'm just obsessed with textures I guess and colors and that's why I think handbags and accessories really suit me because um play with it a bit huh you can play with it a bit can't yeah, you? It's and it's like accessories are fun and they really add to it they it's a way to add your personality I guess and another thing I love about accessories is it's nothing to do with your size you can ever wear them so it's not, you're not getting into sizing in a product. It's not, you know, footwear is even really tricky because you've got, you know, you'll always sell 39, 38, and then you could be stuck with a load of 37s or, you know, you might have 41s or, you know, it's, it's hard to gauge. And it's the same with clothing. Um, so accessories are always very inclusive, I guess. And what would you say, because you you have to wear all the hats at you know, yeah. in terms of when you're where when you're initially starting out in business before you bring people in and and that kind of thing. What would you say as a business owner you are struggling with right now? Time. Just mm-hmm. time. Just time. Like, I mean, I think every small business owner is obviously like that, but I think add children into the mix mm-hmm. is really challenging. You know, I've like obviously when I launched, I had my three children at home the whole time, a bit like yourself. Yeah. They were still only one was in would have one only started school sorry that year and um, so they were very small they still are very small um, and trying to get the business off the ground with kids and not having like you know full time childcare has its challenges and um, I'll give you a funny story when I was with the factory I can't remember when I went when I finally got back there again and I went for lunch with the 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 man I deal with has amazing English called David and um, he's not one of the family but he bought me for lunch with one of the daughters. 
who didn't have much English. So he was obviously translating and yeah. was sitting there and she's like, oh, showing me pictures of her children. I said, oh yeah, I've got children too. And David starts laughing his head off. And I was like, what? And he was like, he goes, no, no, we all know your children. And I was like, sorry, what? And he's like, oh, and like, we can all hear your children screaming in the background. <laughs> We're all on our, because our, obviously through COVID, there was a lot of voice notes and, you know, me, you know, leaving voice notes with the kids, just running, running riot in the background. Um, but yeah, I'd say time is the hardest thing um, and just trying to stay focused. You know, if you have only a couple of hours every day that you really try and tick off your list and stay focused and not get sidetracked. And what have been, I know the brand hasn't been going for very long, but what have been your milestones so far for you? Um, a big milestone was um, getting with getting stopped in Avoca. Um, I would say getting nominated for Image Businesswoman of the Year. That was very exciting. Um, I got on to the Going for Growth program with Enterprise Ireland this year, um, which was really cool as well and very interesting and inspiring. You know, a lot of Irish businesses and brands have been through that or are currently going through it. Mm-hmm. That was nice to kind of, again, when you're working on your own, it was nice to network and meet other like-minded, you know, female entrepreneurs um, and realize everyone's kind of in the same boat, really, and just to feel like you have a support network. What would you say motivates you when things are difficult? Just keep going. I'm a, I'm a generally a very positive person. Um, I don't really get bogged down in, like I said, I, I don't, you know, I haven't really overstretched myself financially. I try to keep it all very lean as I can. Um, I, you know, I work from home, like everything is at home. Yeah, I think just just keep going. You know, everyone has their bad days. I have a couple of friends who have small businesses too. And we would talk to each other quite regularly and you might have a rant or you might have like a difficult customer or you might have an issue with your shipping or you might have, you know, it's always nice to have someone you can pick up the phone and talk to and be kind of vent, I guess. And that somebody yeah. else is kind of like, oh my God, I know that happened to me. Or did you ever think you could ask this person or just a bit of advice because, you know, you, like, like yourself, when you work in big businesses, there's other people who take care of all these departments, but it's just you, like you have to do it all. And it can't, you know, I have had sleepless nights, obviously, things might be delayed or you know something has come in wrong or I don't know you might get a, a like a horrible you know I haven't had many thankfully but you might get a horrible email of someone and they don't realize you know it's just you and you're you're working really hard and you can take offense you know you can yeah, take yeah. it personally you know and you're like oh my god like it's only me you're not writing to like you know the sales customer service, the service. yeah do you know the way people don't realize sometimes you know it's just mm-hmm. it's just one person you're a one one woman show so yeah, I think just talk to somebody and I think every day is different. So you just keep going. It's- yeah, I think like that having that network around you of people that get what you're going through yeah. Is, yeah. is really key. And there's yeah. so many groups you can join, whether it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of groups and a lot of groups in Ireland as well that you can join. Um, yeah. can, it's, you- it's also the time for all these groups, you know, so it's kind of like pick your... Yeah, pick the one that resonates with you most. Yeah, because you can't do everything because like you have to work. So you can't be like constantly networking meetings and constantly that's not going to benefit your business either. Do you know the one that you think is exactly that resonates to you or you feel there's women with similar businesses? Um, Yeah, so say even like the the Exchequer Street pop-up now that I'm involved in, you know, a lot of those... Uh, brands I've known over the years either I've worked with this the designers or like we met at going for growth and um, so yeah I think you just never know who you'll meet I guess or who you'll partner up with yeah and keeping those connections keeping and those for those things. people that are starting a brand or thinking about starting a brand what would be your advice to them um do your research 
um, know who your competitors are. Just don't go in blind. Um, now, having said that, when I launched, suddenly three or four bag brands popped up in Ireland. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> There's no bag brands. And there suddenly all these handbag brands. But like that, you know, as best you can, obviously know your know your market, know who you're trying to go for as, as best you can. Like it'll always evolve. You have to start somewhere. Um, like somebody else asked me that before they were like did you plan like were you, were you afraid to launch in the pandemic and I'm like you know what there's always something yeah, there's never going to be a perfect time it's a bit like having a baby there's never yeah. a perfect time like there could be people could be saying no don't there's a cost of housing price there's a cost of living prices there's a war. always a reason not to isn't there exactly there's always a reason not to so I just think you have to start um, and you can overanalyze things and just things are never going to be a hundred percent perfect you just have to go first and um, start at a manageable pace I think yeah and I, I, I completely agree in terms of that manageable pace yeah um, and knowing your own knowing what you can take on and what you can't because everyone has a different tolerance for that don't they in terms of some people were like oh my god I don't know how you do it and you're like actually this is fine for me but then yeah. for other people it might be like way too much or you know so it's everyone is different yeah exactly and don't compare yourself I know that's easier said than done but you, you, you can get sidetracked and particularly with social media you know you can be like oh my god they look like they're flying or they look like they're so busy or you know whatever it's like just keep going back to yourself just keep going back to your own brand your own goals your own you know what are your targets what do you want your brand um you know and I think every there's a customer for every brand you yeah. know there's, there's different customers for for you know you'll you'll find your clientele and you'll find your loyal, your loyal customers. And um, I just think, yeah, build slowly. That's that's kind of more how I'm trying to do it. Just build slowly, build leanly, and yeah. um, try not to overstretch yourself. Definitely the 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 leanly as well. I know you know because you can do you can have a twenty grand website or you can have a a one and a, a one grand website. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and it's like you choose like what what is important to you. So for me. I spent a lot of money on my photo shoots because I knew I wanted to establish a very you know luxury like the weren't luxury price point but a very luxe kind of looking product do you know yeah. and you need to have really good photography and brand imagery to get the brand going and so for me I spent a lot of money on my photo shoots other people that might be their thing do you know and they might spend the money on a fulfillment center like we spoke about or yeah renting or you know I didn't do any of that but I chose to put my money into photo shoots which I really helped me launch the look and feel of my brand um so yeah, it's kind of choosing where to, where to best use what money you have. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Mm-hmm. And for those that you're listening, I hope you have enjoyed and learnt lots. And uh, I'll be back again with another great guest next week. And I would love for you to leave a review on Start, Scale, Succeed. And I will see you again next week. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you.